What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Fizzle Show. I'm your host, Corbett Barr, and this is our podcast about earning a living independently doing something you love. Today, we have one of my favorite people on the show today. I've known Chris Ducker since way back when both of us were getting started as bloggers. At the time, Chris was chronicling his effort to combat burnout as a, quote, brick and mortar CEO by becoming a virtual CEO. He's run call centers and virtual staffing agencies involving hundreds of employees. And over the years since, Chris has become known as the go-to expert on personal branding through his website at chrisducker.com, as well as through his Upreneur podcast community and conference. Chris, I'm so happy to be able to catch up with you on the podcast today. How are you? I'm good. It's it's been a heartbeat and a half since we've done this, so I'm really... uh... Very humbled that you'd have me on, and I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I'm I'm so excited that you're here. Um, I don't know have we, have we had you on the Fizzle Show before? I'm not sure. I know we did the obviously we did the we did the sit down in person interview. Uh, yep. a few years yeah, back, but I I don't think I've been on the podcast before. I think this is my uh, my debut, maybe. Awesome. Yeah, we've been doing a lot more interviews this year, and um, Chris is referring to a Founder Story interview that's a live in-person video interview that's inside of Fizzle, which is probably uh, coming up on five years or so old at this point. So a lot has happened with you since then. Uh, You made a big move recently. A lot of people know you probably from your days of virtual CEO and tropical think tank, which Mm -hmm. was all based in the Philippines where your other businesses are. But um, this past year, you made a a big move back home. I did. We moved back uh, just over a year ago to uh, the UK. We're based out of Cambridge. So old England, as they say. And um, yeah, on occasion, you could see me walking around the village here wearing a tweed jacket with leather elbow. Find you over there now. I, I I haven't done that very often, but I do own a jacket like this. Um, I don't know. I feel kind of weird. Is it weird that I feel I don't feel old enough to be wearing a jacket like that? But then when I put it on, I feel so much more distinguished. And <laughs> I, you know, I, I just want to wear it every day. Yeah, and and have one of those long pipes and an ascot, maybe. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Do you take your Do you take your high tea seriously now that you're back home? Well, I mean, we don't do it every single day, but we do it, uh, me and hers actually, um, we, we pop out on a weekly basis for afternoon tea. Uh, there's a little, a little tea room in town that we go to. Um, we've, you know, we're regulars now, so you know, we get the nice warm welcome when we come in. We've got our little spot near the fireplace that we like to sit at, and we'll have some- yeah, the, uh, the little sandwiches? Yeah, yeah, the little cucumber sandwiches with cream cheese with the crusts cut mm. off. Um, sounds, and, sounds and scones and Victoria sponge cake and, and some good old British tea as well. But yeah, we do that. But I wouldn't say necessarily every single week, but at least twice a month at least. So for, for people who aren't familiar, uh, I mentioned a little bit in the intro. One of the things that always uh, strikes me, impresses me about you and your background is that you're not just like doing this like, quote, online thing. You have... A long history as a more traditional business owner. We don't have to go through the whole thing, but tell us about the the other couple of businesses that you run outside of ChrisDucker.com and and Upreneur because those are your your newer like more flashy online things. But there are a couple of other big businesses that are still in your back pocket. Tell yeah. us about those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, 
So uh, Live to Sell Group is our call center facilities, 350 employees. Uh, we started that 12 years ago um, with like 15 employees, uh, two of which were me and the wife. Um, so that, that that's still going strong. In fact, actually in 12 years, we'll have our best year ever this year, revenue-wise. Uh, and I've not even been there for a year. Now I'm starting to, you know, ask the question of should I moved, you know, five years ago instead of just a year ago? Maybe I should have. Maybe I'd be making more money. I don't know. But um, <clears throat> yeah, so that's one of them. And then there's Virtual Star Finder, which uh, I mean, Virtual Star Finder does rely on the internet for pretty much every that's single true. sale that that's it makes. True. Um, but with that being said, uh, it is a brick and mortar business. It has a facility. It's got 14 members of staff working full time for it. Um, and that is a VA recruitment company. So we ultimately help mostly online entrepreneurs find full time virtual assistants and remote staff specifically in the Philippines. Um, and that's been running, that's coming up on 10 years. I was just Amazing. reminded, I was just reminded of that earlier today, actually, wow. by somebody. It's like, oh my gosh, it's going to be 10 years in August 2020, we launched that business. So they're the two kind of like the brick and mortar uh, businesses. And we, you know, we've, we've started other bits and pieces and sold them in the, in, the, in the past and things like that. Yoga studio, franchise and all that kind of stuff before. Um, but ultimately, they're the two businesses that we own and operate still to this day. I have no partners. Um, we own them outright. Uh, uh, we've never taken an ounce of funding for any of them. We've grown them from the ground up. Um, and, uh, we're very, very proud of them. You know? But yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. You mentioned as you were introduced me about the fact that we kind of got started around the same time, but you know, and you well know, like I used to look up to you, you know, and I mean, I still do, don't get me wrong, but it's like, like Corbett's crushing this blogging thing. And here I am messing around with all these freaking employees. Like what's the deal with this kind of thing? And then it's kind of like it just took, I think probably the turning point was around 2013 where I got the book offer for virtual freedom. Yeah. Once that happened, I realized, wait a minute, I've been blogging, I've been podcasting, I've been doing YouTube videos. I haven't really been taking this all that seriously, but I'm enjoying it and I travel around and I've done a handful of speaking gigs and all the rest of it. But now there's a book deal on the horizon. Okay, this may be, there's a little bit more to this whole thing here. Um, and that's really where, um, and you actually, as you remember, you, you were coaching me a little bit and, and we, we sat and we had tea in San Francisco and we multiple Skype calls over that period of a, a year, year and a half or so when you were helping me kind of figure out that transition a little bit. Um, and it, it was really, the book came out April 2014. You fast forward, you know, going into early 2015 and I utter the word youpreneur for the first time. And I remember thinking, youpreneur, it's all about you, right? So you're the business, the business is based around you, but it's not reliant on you. We've got to be careful with that. We don't want to burn out again, Chris. You did that in 2009. You don't want to do that again, et cetera, et cetera. And so that was where the whole business of you, youpreneur, personal brand business model, youpreneur ecosystem, all that stuff came into play in 2015. We opened the membership, Youpreneur Academy, in September of 2015. 
Um, and we did our first in-person mastermind 2016 with the Youpreneur banner. 2017 was the first Youpreneur Summit conference in London. We've done it every year since now. Uh, the book Rise of the Youpreneur came out in early 2018. You can see where I'm going with this Youpreneur thing, right? Yeah. This is, we're doubling down on all of this now. And in between, yeah. obviously, we've been running other events like Tropical Think Tank and all that stuff as well. So it's been a very interesting last five or six years for sure. Yeah, I mean, really uh, 10 years since you you started <laughs> with the virtual CEO. I, I'm, I'm curious, um, a lot has changed for you. and I remember those conversations where you were kind of wrestling with this distinction between the virtual CEO, which was sort of how people knew you online at the time, because you were basically trying to be able to run your business, your brick and mortar business virtually so that you could recover from your burnout and have a healthier relationship with your your life and your work. Uh, but you were wrestling with having this distinct brand versus being Chris Ducker. And people mm. also knew you there and, and they were starting to know you more. And um, trying to understand like, well, is it better to have a personal brand or is it better to have a business brand? And this is something that I think everybody struggles with when they're starting out thinking like, and, and it confronts you as soon as you have to like create your first Twitter handle, right? You're like, well, what do I make it? Is it, is it my yeah. brand name? Is it my, my business name? Do I create multiple and you've you've done both of these. I, I'm curious, what did you see change for you when you went with a personal brand? And what has that meant to you over the years? What was that, 2013 or 14 when you launched ChrisDucker.com? It was 2012, actually. 2012. Very late, very late in 2012 with ChrisDucker.com. Well, the funny thing was, before you and I even met, I was blogging at ChrisDucker.com. Mm. We're talking like early 2009, mid 2009, uh, but it was mostly on sales, marketing, just business stuff in general. And it, yeah. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, that, it wasn't that impressive either. You know what I mean? It was like oh, today I had cornflakes for breakfast, and you know, <laughs> and now I'm going to a business meeting. You know, publish. You know, who the hell cares about I, that? I have a hard time believing that you wouldn't make eating cornflakes exciting though because you, you tend to jazz up anything you're talking about yeah, you just pour scotch over them that's what you do instead of milk <laughs> exactly. um but i yeah so it was it, i was already doing the chris ducker thing and then i felt like well nobody knows me who am i to anybody this this makes no sense to do it nobody knows who chris ducker is so that's when you know when we first met it was virtualbusinesslifestyle.com that was the domain name and the whole virtual CEO thing was born. And that goal in 2010 that I kind of journaled, like you said, through the year. And then it was like, you know, a year and a half later, it wasn't, are you listening to the virtual business lifestyle podcast? It was, are you listening to Chris Ducker's podcast? So that personal brand element had already started to come into play. I kind of shrugged it off initially, truth be told. Um, and then, you know, it, 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 it kind of just, I thought to myself at one point, and this is when you and I were kind of talking, you were helping me over it. I can be, you know, I don't want, I don't want any more smoke and mirrors, man. Like, yes, I've got a big corporate business and, you know, corporate clients and we do B2B and all that kind of stuff. But like, I don't want to, I don't want to hide anymore. Like, why am I hiding behind this brand? Like, I just want to be me all the time. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, then you can go skip. 
because I don't need any new friends. I've got enough already kind of thing. That was my attitude, literally. And so that was when we made, you know, the, the change from virtual business lifestyle over to chrisducker.com. Um, and uh, it was a no brain. I mean, dude, the moment we did it, as you remember, I mean, it just all started kicking off like crazy. I was getting asked to speak left, right and center. The book deal came along, um, coaching, you know, mastermind events, the whole kit and caboodle. And it was like very clear that, you know, and I, I've been in sales my entire career. So I know people buy me before any product or service. Like I'm aware of the power of the personal brand of the reputation. Right. Yeah. But I guess for whatever reason, I thought maybe it wouldn't translate online. I was wrong. And now it's a very, very powerful thing. And now you've got, you know, big, um, big blue chips, big, big tech companies, big, you know, huge, you know, CNET companies are turning around saying, you know what? Our CEO needs to start blogging. If Richard Branson can do it, why can't our guy? You know, if, if Richard Branson can reply to people on Twitter, why can't our guy? Yeah. Right? So it makes if, you wonder if, if, it makes you wonder if the, the role of the CEO in bigger companies will change over time because so for, for so long behind the scene, they were more behind the scenes and now they're expected to have more of a, a flair for PR and, and I think, you know, yeah, exactly. Content. They are. You're absolutely right. I mean, like, and, and you look at people like, you know, Elon Musk and you know, Zuckerberg, you know, these guys are not your usual entrepreneurs, right? And, and not your usual CEOs. But do you, th- do you really honestly think that Tesla would be as ridiculously successful as it is if it didn't have Elon Musk at the helm? Hell no, no it no would way. not, right? Yeah, and, and that's not just for Elon's engineering skills. It's because of his showmanship. Absolutely. Yeah. Hence the power of the personal brand. And this is okay. why I feel like it's important that people start paying more attention to it. So I'm curious though, you've, you've coached a lot of people. Um, do you feel like personal branding has benefits for some and, and not for others? Or do you feel like it's right for certain kinds of people? You obviously are a natural in the spotlight. You love being on stage. Uh, some people shy away from that a little bit. And, and have you found that personal branding is maybe not right for some people, or is there a way that you have to adapt it if you're more of a a shy type? I I think that particularly if you're an entrepreneurial type, right? Let's just say for example, I mean, I know your fizzle crowd pretty well. I mean, they're entrepreneurs or they're entrepreneurs, one or the other. They're building something based on their passions and what they're all about. They have a personal brand already, whether they want to admit it, whether they identify with that or not, they do. Um, you know, your, your personal brand is what people say about you when you're not around. So when you're not at the conference or when you're not at the dinner party or when you're not at the cocktail hour or at the coffee meeting or whatever it is, what people are talking about when somebody brings up your name, that is your personal brand right there. So you have one whether you want it or not. It's up to you, however, if you want to end up leaning into it more or not. That doesn't mean you need to get on stage and become the face of your business, but it does mean that if you say, you know what, I have a personality, I've got an expertise, I'm going to start leaning into that more on both accounts, and I'm going to build a business that's based around me a little bit more, not reliant, I want to clarify that again, but like 
you know, on what I'm all about, what I stand for, the people I want to serve and sell to, I'm going to lean into that more. And if you make that decision, I truly believe genuinely that you're ultimately making yourself future proof in that very moment because, you know, recessions, political upsets, uncertainty, whatever you want to call it, if you're building the business of you, as I call it, there is no real competition out there because people are buying you before any of your products and services. And that's why as your interests change and pivot over time, your audience will stay with you. And I think that's the powerful part of, of, of that Youpreneur business model. What I love about what you've built is um, that you also, at the same time, have figured out a way to make this other brand work along with your personal brand. And I'm curious about the decision there to, to start Youpreneur as its own thing and what you've learned about kind of being Chris Ducker, running Chris Ducker as a brand, and then having Youpreneur as another brand. What, what is that like to you? We just, we wanted it to have a little bit more of a bigger legacy sort of type of feel to it mm-hmm. all. Um, you know, I, could, I, could I have continued to do what I'm currently doing right now under the Chris Ducker banner? Yes, of course I could. I mean, I started it all without it, right? Like the first Youpreneur Summit in November of 2017, we didn't have youpreneur.com. We didn't. We had just Chris Ducker or Youpreneur Academy. It was just, it was my personal blog or a membership. That was it, right? So it was, it really just came down to, you know, if we're going to really build this thing up and, and affect genuine change with the people that we come into contact with, it can't just be all me all the time. I can be the face of it. I can be the, drive, the driving factor, the leader behind it, but it can't be me all the time. So youpreneur.com, which I had the domain for for years, obviously, and we're sitting on, um, that, that, you know, this, we decided to go ahead and turn that into a public site with now hundreds and hundreds of pieces of content and videos and podcasts for people to devour for free um, yep. as a kickstart into the build market monetized world that we're all about. And then if they liked it, you know, the first part of the top of that funnel is the membership. It's the academy. Jump on board. If you like that, then we'll take you further down the funnel and, and maybe a few years that, be running the world. Who knows? <laughs> has starting that brand um, changed any of the focus that you've had on your own personal brand? Uh, any of the effort that you put into it? This is a really, really good question. And it has. It has. In fact, actually, this year, 2019, I've, I've done very little blogging at chrisducker.com at all. I can count on one hand how many pieces of content have gone live on chrisducker.com as a domain name this year. Now, that being said, there are over 400 pieces of content up there already from yesteryear. Um, the very vast majority of it has been written with an evergreen mindset in play, right? So you can still find any of those things. And ultimately, you'll be able to, you know, get to the point where you're, you know, going to have, you're going to take something away from it in some way, shape or form. Um, With that being said, though, we knew going into this year that the focus was going to be building out upano.com. We only launched it middle of last year. And we kind of 
tiptoed around it a little bit, knowing full well we were going to hire a couple of writers, we were going to start scripting our podcast a little bit more, getting a little bit more specific on certain topics that we were going to cover. We're going to have a theme every month for content and all that kind of stuff. But again, now that that's established and there's a good few hundred, you know, articles up there, now we're going to continue with all of that, but I'm actually going to start going back to chrisducker.com. We're working on a redesign of it right now. Um, and uh, I'm going to be starting a monthly vlog initially in January to, to get going with it. We started vlogging a little bit last year and had some fun with it. Um, but again, you know, it, it really, and you know this, and, and the people that tune into this show are smart people as well. I know you attract smart people. The fact is you can't do all the things for all the people all the time, right? It's just not possible. Um, And the other thing is, and maybe this is me getting a little older and wiser, but I've come to a really clear decision in the last probably two, three years or so. Like, I don't know what I don't know, right? So you try things out. Sometimes they'll do really well. Sometimes you'll fall on your face. Sometimes you'll need help. Sometimes you won't. Um, And so I just, I, I'm very, you know, I'm, I, I like strategy, I like tactic and all that kind of stuff, but as I've also chilled out a little bit and I, I kind of just want to start taking it a little bit more easier and having a little bit more fun with everything I do. Uh, I think everybody goes through this, this same kind of evolution. You have, uh, mentioned a couple of things already. You've talked about the community, the conference and so on. Uh, I know that you have this concept of the ecosystem, the entrepreneur ecosystem. Once you start building a personal brand, how do you monetize it? And what are the different avenues that you've done and, and that you advise people to start taking a look at? What does this, this funnel look like? Well, and, and, and in all transparency, if people want a visual of this, on a serious note, go to Amazon.com, type in the word Ducker, right? D-U-C-K-E-R, and buy my book, Rise of the Youpreneur. It's 12 bucks. On page 191, I give you my entire freaking business model. It's right there in visual format, right? Um, in all intents and purposes... The Youpreneur ecosystem is actually about being a reactive entrepreneur based around your brand. So here's the thing, right? When you start taking this stuff really seriously, you'll start creating content and maybe even products and services that you think people need from you, right? The word think is the operative word in that sentence. What will happen six months, eight months, 12 months down the line when you've been doing this very consistently, and that's key right there as well, you can't do this every now and then, you've got to do it consistently for a good year or so, what will happen is your audience will turn itself into a community, whether you want it to happen or not. And 
your community will then start telling you what they need and want from you. And at that point, you can start building your ecosystem. Up to that point, you're just doing whatever you think is the right thing to do. But the moment they start giving you information on what their pain points are, what their problems are, you can then go ahead and start serving up solutions. And if you do that in the right way for the right reasons at the right time in people's journey with you, you are blessed to be able to put a price tag on it, plain and simple. And so the Youpreneur ecosystem, the lowest hanging fruit for anybody building a Youpreneur-based business model is coaching and consulting. You're trading time for money. Yes, it's not the most scalable option, but there are people that are out there that are happy to pay and invest in themselves by giving you money to be able to download some of your experience into their minds so that they can maybe fast track their own success and their own growth in some way, right? And then after that, you've got things like affiliate marketing and serving up products and services that are not necessarily your own, but will still help people on their journeys. Then you've got things like you know, your own online courses and digital products. They're great because they're 100% scalable. You do them once, you sell them forever. Uh, memberships is another perfect model. Fizzle, the Youpreneur Academy, both memberships, both for you know, very distinct groups of people, serving them up regular content on a regular basis. The great thing about memberships, one of the reasons why I love this model is because it's predictable and it's recurring. You, you know roughly where you're going to be income-wise, month after month, quarter after quarter, and so on and so on. And then my favorite thing as part of that ecosystem are things like in-person events. So they can start off as just simple meetups. Maybe they are one-day masterminds or workshops or seminars of some variety. Then you can you know, maybe get a little bit more, um, what's the word, uh, uh, energetic about the whole thing and decide to put on a conference at the Queen Elizabeth Center in London for 350 people. You know. Yeah, if you want a real challenge. If you want a real challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I would love to dive into what you've learned about a couple of those things. Um, I think membership communities are uh, attractive to a lot of entrepreneurs because of the reasons that you mentioned. They're predictable. It's recurring. It's just nice to know that, well, we did X dollars this month. We'll probably do X plus or minus, you know, X percent uh, yeah. next month, which is pretty cool. Um, versus the launch model, which, you know, if, if you've done that before and you know that y- you have a course and you open it up and you've got all of this like risk and, and worry that, am I going to sell as many as I hoped? And sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. I mean, how many times have you heard from a, an entrepreneur who like, just totally failed with their launch. And I'd say there's there's something about that open and door close model, whether you're doing it for a membership or whether you're doing it for a course or whatever, I'm not saying it doesn't work. It can work and it can work brilliantly. But I tell you, it scares the bejesus out of me. Mm -hmm. I don't like that at all. You know, that that's, you know, my in back in the brick and mortar part of my, of my journey, my model, my, you know, group now still to this day. One of the reasons why I like doing what we do brick and mortar wise is because we know where we are year on year, week on week, month on month. It's great. I like the predictability. But with that being said, though, there are certain business, like for example, a course, for example, if it's your flagship 
course, if it's something that you want to utilize, not only to make money, but also to get eyeballs on your business, the eyeballs on your messaging and so on and so on, and maybe even use it as a list building tool in and amongst itself, launches are great. Once or twice a year, big launch, you know, a good list of affiliates, all the rest of it, go to work, my friend. I'm, I'll back you 100% kind of thing, right? But if that stress is something that you don't want in your life, and I've been there and done that, by the way, and I did not like it. Did it work? Yes, but I didn't like the stress. Like I felt myself almost burning out again. I didn't like it at all. Same, so same, same here. People, you know? Same here. Uh, and I think you know, it, it could be a nice supplemental thing if it's not your only source of income so that you right. do have some predictability and then sure, like there's this influx of cash because you do this open and closed launch. But if you start to rely on that as your only source of income, there's just too much riding on it and it can Absolutely. cause cloudy thinking and, uh, and then yeah, lead to burnout. So with the membership community, a lot of people are attracted to it because it is predictable. Um, but I think it's over, it's easy to overlook what goes into that. What have you learned about running a membership community over the past four years and, and how much work has it been for you getting it up? There's been a lot of work. I mean, the first couple of years I worked on it way more than I wanted to or thought I would have to, to be frank with you. Um, and you know, as, as time has gone by, obviously I've dripped myself out of it bit by bit and we built the team and we, we serve up what we serve up deliverable wise on a monthly basis. Um, in, in, for me now, a very passive state. Um, and so it, you know, the thing with membership is, yeah, it's predictive and yeah, it's recurring, but you want to know what else is? having your ass show up every month. That's predictive and recurring as well. That your, your customers, your members expect that from you, just like you yeah. expect their money every month as well. So, you know, it's not, a, it's not a passive business model at all. You've got to show up every single month. If you're billing every people every single month, it's that simple. So it's not for everyone. And just because you do have a community and just because you can launch a membership doesn't mean that you should either. So, you know, it's like anything else. You go to a conference and you spend two days watching all these amazing speakers. And I say this at my intro at the Upana Summit every single year. I say, look, in the next 48 hours, you're going to get your mind blown on an hourly basis by people on this stage. Understand something. All those ideas, all the scribbling that you do, you don't need to take action on all of them. You can take action on one idea that you pick up this weekend and you'll be able to make six figures out of it in the next 12 months. You don't need to do it all. Don't stress yourself out. Likewise, can be same for people thinking potentially about doing memberships. You don't have to do it just because you can do it. I remember when I was learning how to drive many years ago, and I'll never forget my driving instructor saying to me, as I kept going over the 30 mile per hour limit by two or three two or three clicks, right? And she kept pulling back, watch your speed, watch your speed, watch your speed. And after a couple of lessons, she turned around, she pulled me over and she said, listen to these words and never forget them. And I never have, here I am all these years later, about to drop them on a podcast. She said to me, it's a speed limit, not a speed target. <laughs> Changed my view on driving completely. And therefore everything else, just because you can potentially do a million a year. It doesn't mean you have to bust your nut like crazy 
all day, every day, driving yourself crazy to hit that million. You know what I mean? I, I do. Um, and, and I, uh, have said no to a lot of things over the years, but I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm wondering what have you said no to Chris over the past years? Um, Around youpreneur and your brand, you said you do membership, you do the conference. I know you're doing some in-person masterminding coaching. Uh, you do speaking gigs. What are the things that that you look at as a limit and say uh, I don't need to do that, even though I can? Um, I well, I can tell you the one one big change going into 2020 is that I've yeah. taken myself off the speaker circuit completely. Um. And, and that's a that's a big commitment when you're on the speaker circuit. The yeah. travel, everything is a lot of time and energy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and so, you know, I, I would do realistically probably about six gigs a year in the United States and maybe same amount elsewhere in the world. Um, and I just got to the point where I don't I don't feel like it is a requirement for me anymore to be seen quote unquote on other people's stages. Um, and I think also when you're building a, when you're building a community and a business based around you as the leader of that business, like we are with youpreneur, this is going to sound a tad narcissistic and egocentric here, but I'm going to drop it anyway. We, we have got to the point where it's very much a matter of, well, you know what? If you want to see Chris on a stage, you're going to see him on our stage. You're going to see him on a youpreneur stage, not another stage. Yeah. Um, and the way I look at that as, as a big no is, yeah, I mean, you know, one of the easiest ways to expand your reach and, you know, your message and things like that is to get on other people's stages, but we don't need to do it anymore. I can get onto podcasts. I can do interviews with the press. There's a lot of different ways to be able to do it. And I just, I want to double down on if I'm going to put all that energy and effort into developing presentations and workshops and things like that for other people's events, why not do it for my own and just serve my community at that high level over and over and over again in person. So that's a big thing. That's like, I've said no to virtually pretty much every speaking invite for the last 12 months. I have two gigs left in the first quarter of 2020 that were signed and sealed months and months and months and months and months ago that I will take care of one in the United States, one here in the UK. And then after that, I'm done. That's a big no-no, big no-no. Another big no-no and has been for probably four, maybe three or four years now was uh, no one-on-one coaching anymore. Uh, even though it was a big revenue generator for me. I mean, when I was doing it, you know, pretty, pretty expressly in terms of income generation before we opened up the doors, uh, at the, uh, at the Academy, you know, I charge upwards of two grand an hour to, to coach and consult with people. Um, so, you know, the, the, the decision to turn that faucet off was a big one because when you're easily making, you know, 20, 20 K a month, pretty much in coaching, uh, pretty easily with a with a, a relatively small intimate group of clients, um, that's a lot of money to say goodbye to. So you've got yeah. to look at other ways to be able to bring that revenue in in in, in its place. And so, yeah, no more one on one coaching, no more speaking as of quarter one, twenty twenty. Um, but everything else, I, I'm pretty much uh, open for. I don't know how you do it all because it, we haven't even talked about writing a book running a conference. Oh yeah, that as well. Yeah, yeah. Each, of, that, each yeah. of these things, each of these things could be 
somebody's sole focus and it would still be a lot of work. And yet you've done all of them in the course of a year. I'm guessing there was a year where you were writing a book, running a conference, doing coaching, running the membership community, all of it, all at the same time. Oh yeah. Yeah. And the speaking gigs. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I mean, we're talking a good few years ago when I had a lot more energy. (laughs) I'm getting old now, you know, but I'm like, you have some productivity super tips or something like what? I think, you know, the thing for me is batching. Like I've just been, I've, I've been batching for as long as I can remember. Like before mm-hmm. it was a thing to like batch your content or batch your recording. Like I was doing that stuff years and years and years ago and I didn't call it batching. I just said, well, I'm just going to clear my schedule for the day and record three months worth of podcasts in one day. Thank you for playing you know? Uh, and I didn't really think much about it. And then everybody started talking about this thing called batching. It was, oh, it's the best productivity thing. And well, I'm like, well, holy crap, I've been doing this for years and not even thinking about it. Like, you know, why, why do, you know, four 30 minute meetings spread out over a week? Why not just do them all on Monday morning and then you're done? Yeah. You know, that, that kind of thing. Um, and I still, I still bash like crazy now, you know, we've, we've got, I mean, by the time of recording this, it's December three, I don't know when you'll publish this, but we've got, we've got podcast content good all the way through to the end of February. We've got video content good all the way through to the end of April, batched, done, edited, uploaded, ready to go. So I think it really just comes down to being like super, um, organized from a team perspective. And I've got a really good, small, but really good cohesive team that work very, very well together. Um, and you know, we, you know, they, they whip me into shape. Hey, Chris, just so you know, you've got two days of video shoots on Thursday and Friday next week. Don't blow your voice early that week. Don't do too many calls. Don't do, you know, blah, 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 blah. You know, we're going to need you, you know, and then, you know, then my wife's like, you know, you're shooting tomorrow, make sure you cut your hair, you know, all this kind of stuff. So otherwise I'll just turn up looking like a state with no voice, you know, I'm, they whip me into shape, man. <laughs> so um, for people who are listening to this and thinking, okay, okay, like the personal brand sounds great. And obviously there are tons of avenues that you can go down to turn this into an income. To get started though, it doesn't just magically happen. You have to grow an audience and and figure out a problem that you're going to solve. What are the most important things people need to do early on to build the foundation for a good personal brand that they can build a business around? Well, there's two really important parts. And I think a lot of people try and skip over these because they're genuine work, quite frankly. So the first thing is to define who you are, right? Like ask the question, what do I want to be known for? Understand this is not all encompassing as well. Like you can change this a couple of years from now, if you want. That's the beautiful thing about the business of you. People will move and pivot with you, right? Um, that's why I say when you make the decision to, to, be, you know, to become that personal brand entrepreneur, it's the last biv- real true business pivot you make because everything else after that point is just a natural thing. Like you, you just, you roll or people roll with your changes really. So the first thing is to define who you really are and what you want to be known for. That's the first thing. What's your superpower? Again, it can, it can change at some point. What is, what is that one thing right now? The second thing, and it goes hand in hand with the first thing, is to define who your perfect customer is. Notice how I say the word customer. 
not your perfect reader or your perfect listener. Those mm. people will come along anyway, but we're in business. We need to make money. Who are the people? What's that perfect customer like? People that have actually got money in their pocket. And then as a caveat to that, what's their big pain point? Where's the problem that I'm going to solve? Because don't get any delusions of grandeur. That's all we do as entrepreneurs. We just solve problems. That's it. What do you do? I'm a professional problem solver. That's what I am. That's what you are. That's what many people in your community are. And if if you're not having that mindset, you're going to lose long-term. You are. If you're solving people's problems over and over and over again through your work, you know what happens? You become somebody's favorite. And if you become somebody's favorite, you become future-proof, baby. That is the way it is right there. So those two things right there, defining who you are, what you want to be known for, and then figuring out who your, your, your real perfect customer is. Who's that person that you want to serve and sell to on a regular ongoing basis? They're the two big things right there. People skate over them. They don't because it takes work. It takes thought process. It takes time to figure that stuff out. Um, you can't sit down with a cup of coffee at Starbucks and figure that out in an hour. It doesn't work that way. So, you know, they oh, I'm going to start blogging. I'm going to do a podcast about this. Like, well, okay, fair play to you. Go ahead and do that. But at the same time, figure out why you're recording that show, who you want to tune in, what takeaways do they want, do you want people to have, you know, who are you doing it for, you know? Um, and really, they're, they're the two big things right there. You know, figuring out those two things as early on as you possibly can will set you up for you know a good springboard for success. And if you find yourself accidentally blogging about the cornflakes that you had for breakfast, just make sure that you talk about the scotch that you poured over them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you know as fun as that is, there's a there's a lot of truth in there because um you know it's called youpreneur for a reason. And, you know, I often say to people that you've got to be uniquely you all the time, almost unapologetically all the time. Um, we have a, and, and your, your, your listeners uh, in, in the UK will get this, and I'll try and describe it a little bit of the US guys as well. Um, we've got a, a vegetable spread here in the UK called, um, it's a yeast spread called Marmite. Um, and Marmite, it, it, you either love it or you hate it. There's no middle ground with this thing. You make your toast in the morning, you either spread Marmite on it and absolutely devour it, or you hate the taste of it, the smell of it, and everything, right? There's zero middle ground. In fact, that's their marketing slogan, dude. Marmite, you either love it or hate it. Are you a hater or are you a lover? They've leaned on every aspect you can think of, right? That's what you want to be. You want to be like Marmite. You want to be either loved or hated. You don't want middle. You don't want the messy middle to come into play because it doesn't make you any money, and it won't allow you to serve the right people. Another analogy I use is marketing like a magnet, where we attract the best and we repel the rest. We don't want the people that on day twenty-nine of a thirty-day money-back guarantee asking you for fifty bucks back. We don't want those people in our lives. We want people that are going to throw down the 50 bucks, that are going to take action on, our, on what we say and how we say it, and then get ready to part with more cash because we're solving more problems for them. It's really that simple. Like I said, people overthink this stuff, and it doesn't need to be that way. So be like Marmite, market like a magnet, 
and and become somebody's favorite. That's what it's about. Well, Chris, you're one of my favorites. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show today. My pleasure, brother. It was good catching up. You guys can find more from Chris Ducker over at chrisducker.com or you can find his podcast, Youpreneur, wherever you listen to podcasts. As always, you can find links to everything that we talked about today over at fizzleshow.co. I'm Corbett Barr. And until next time, thanks for listening to The Fizzle Show.